this morning, Acts chapter number 11. Think about it with me. Are you an imaginative thinker? I'm an imaginative thinker. I like to picture things. And um, one of my favorite songs, the Leparachis, uh, when they were here, uh, they sang it Saturday and they sang it Sunday. Uh, it's that hymn of heaven. I mean, talking about knocking it out of the park. When you sing it better than the, the guy that wrote it and sings it, uh, in my opinion, and um, just did a great job. But part of that song, every time they get to this, this part of that song where it talks about the heroes of the faith, and when we get to heaven and we see the heroes of the faith, I'm always picturing you get to heaven and here comes David, David Brainer and here comes Jim Elliott and here comes... William Carey, all these missionaries of the faith, and uh, here comes, you know, uh, R.G. Lee, and I mean, uh, George W. Truett, and you think to yourself, I can't even imagine being around these awesome, godly heroes of the faith, and then it's all like nothing when we talk about seeing Jesus face to face. Can you imagine seeing our Savior face-to-face for the very first time? And um, uh, what a day, uh, what a day that'll be. It'll be a, a, certainly a, a day of rejoicing for God's people. And we'll praise the Lord for it. Acts chapter number 11, as you're getting over there to Acts chapter 11, we're talking about um, being an effective church, being a, um, a healthy church, being a church... Uh, that makes a difference, a church that matters. We need to be a church that matters. We need to be a church that is a lighthouse in our community and ultimately around the world. And, and we've been talking about on Sundays how we can do that. Um, what are the marks, if you will, of, uh, uh, of a healthy church? We looked at uh, Colossians chapter number 1, uh, where uh, Christ... Uh, is uh, uh, the foundation and um, of the church, uh, the body of the church. The body is the church. And so uh, what is the church? And we talked about ecclesia, talked about the uh, called out assembly. Uh, we talked about to be a healthy church, to be a church that makes a difference, a church that counts. I want my life to count. I want my life to mean something, to have meant something when I get to the end. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, but too often we get to the end of our life, whenever that is, and if we have any time of reflection, sometimes you don't get time, a time of reflection. Um, sometimes we go out and do eternity instantaneous and maybe it's a heart attack or maybe it's a car crash or whatever sometimes we don't have times of reflection but sometimes we do and we look back and too often in life there are regrets we look back at our life and we think i probably should have done that different i probably could have said that better i probably could have better better husband a, a better wife a better Dad, a better mom. I could have been a better friend. I could have been a better pastor. I could have been a better church member. I could have been. And we look back, and so often our life is full of regrets. Now, 
we can all look back. Let's make this clear. We can all look back and say, I could have done that better, right? Hindsight's always 20-20. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you get to the end and you look back and you can't think of anything that you did. You can't, I always say this. I always say this. When live your life so that you give the preacher something to say at your funeral. Really, I'm telling you, I've had to do funerals before where all I could do is use the Word of God. I say all, all that I could do. I mean, that's the best that you could do. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, but I've also done funerals where I've had to leave stuff out because there was so much to say about that godly person, what they did and what they accomplished. And, what, you know, and it's not all about us. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's all about giving honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what matters. And that's what we ought to want uh, our, life to, uh, uh, our life to count. You know, we all have hobbies, right? We all, we all have things that we enjoy. And they're all, and they're all different. Uh, some, people, some people love to fish. I mean, they just look. Some people, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm convinced that there are some people that so love to fish, they don't even care if they catch anything. They just go out and they just fish and fish all day long. And man, they just like casting it. I mean, I, and, and, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's a great hobby. I mean, they catch, I mean, they catch a fish this big. Come Sunday, boom, that fish, biggest fish they ever caught. You know, they just enjoy. But you know what I'm just think about this for a second. Is fishing wrong? Of course not. Fishing's a great hobby, and a lot of people love to do it. I'm glad people do it because I love eating fish, you know, so I'm for fishing. I just don't like doing it. Uh, but, you know, when you look back on your life, you're at the end of your life, and you look back, you're probably not going to remember, you know, how many fish you caught. You're probably not going to remember the largest fish you caught. You're probably not going to remember the biggest deer you shot. Those, those are great things. But I'm telling you, what we'll remember are the things we did for eternity. We'll remember the things that count. The things that matter. And I'm telling you, there are some things that matter more than other things. There are some things that count more than other things. And the church, God has called us to be the church. He's called us to be His church. And listen to me, Rick and Baptist, we have been called to be His church in this community. So we are called to be a lighthouse. We are called uh, to make a difference in other people's lives. How are we going to do that? We already talked about a couple things. Number one, we talked about being unified. We talked about being together. We talked about one uh, heart. Back in the book, uh, uh, first chapter of the book of uh, Acts, it talks about uh, being in one accord. It talks about it again in chapter number two. It talks about it again in First Corinthians chapter one. It talks about being unified, not split in pieces, not splintered, but unified together for the cause of Christ. Probably one of my most used statements from the Word of God uh, is uh, uh, when David looked at his brothers and looked at Israel and was talking about Goliath and was talking about the Philistines. And he said, guys, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? 
Why are we doing what we're doing? Let me tell you something. This guy, he needs to be whooped. You know why he needs to be whooped? Because there's a cause. There's a reason we're doing what we're doing. There's a reason, and that reason's not you. That reason's not me. That reason is God. There is a cause, and we need to be unified for that cause. Not always uniform, right? Because we all look different. We all dress different. I say it all the time. People that have opinions, yeah. People have opinions. Well, people have noses, too, and they're, you know, but they're all different, right? They all look different, too. My wife says all the time, we'd be watching a show, and I say, man, look at that woman's nose. She says, you got a problem with noses. I mean, you just notice everybody's nose. Everybody's got, right? They're all different. We all look different. We all talk different. We all act different. I love it. Uh, They they do um, with uh, Emma's ERM. They just travel to Rochester. Big church, big school there in Rochester. And and, um, these kids get up there, and they get up in a line, and uh, they do their singing, they do their dramas, they do their sign language, and uh, they introduce themselves. So, you know, hi, I'm Joe Springer, I'm from, uh, I'm from, I'm from Rankin, Georgia. That's basically, basically what they say. Well, they go around, well, they're all Yankees, 90% of them. So they go around, and this one's from Rochester, New York, and this one's from, you know, Ohio, and this one's from, and then they get to Jacob. Jacob's from Asheboro, North Carolina. That is not Yankee land. And he gets to Jacob, and I can't remember his last name, so I'm just going to say, you know, I'm just going to say Smith. He says, hi, I'm Jacob Smith, and I'm from Asheboro, North Carolina. And everybody just dies. I mean, just dies. And he's not, he's not putting on either. I mean, that's just how he talks. And, uh, and, and Emma, you know, she tries to hide it, but she's got a little bit of an accent too. And uh, you, you know what? They, they, we're all different. So not necessarily uniform, but we can be unified. We can be together. We can have one cause. We can be, have one heart. We can be in one accord accomplishing the cause of Christ. If we forget that there's a cause, that's when we splinter. That's when we get sidetracked. When we don't, you know, uh, you hear these preachers, have you ever, you, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do much studying, preacher. I preach, when I preach, I preach extemporaneously. You know what that means, right? It means without notes. 99 times out of 100, it means they ain't studied. And they just get up and, now, back in the day, it was different. But today, listen, when we don't have notes, you know why I write down notes? You know some, you, you see me half the time I'm down here. You know what I, I'll chase every rabbit that comes along. I'm, I'm sometimes, I'm that guy that's sitting there, squirrel, you know, squirrel. And I get sidetracked. And, 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 if, and if somebody sidetracks me, well, I get way off track. So you know what I can do? I can go right back up. I can look at my notes and say, you know what? This is what I was talking about. This is the, now, it doesn't mean that, that the direction I was going was bad. It just means this is the direction I'm going in. Let's stay together to accomplish the cause. So so we talked about being unified and the importance of of being unified to be an effective church. To be an effective church, the Bible needs to be preached. It needs to be preached and proclaimed. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. The Bible says that we need to be getting out the word 
not your opinion, but the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. And then I want to tell you this, this, uh, this, uh, this next one uh, I want to talk about this morning. And then tonight, I hope you'll be back in your place tonight where I'm talking about the importance of being effective through prayer. Now, listen, the church is never going to be effective if we don't pray. Okay, so we're going to talk about that in the services this evening. So uh, uh, let me give you the the third thing. So we need to be unified. People need to be unified. People, we need to preach the word, of course. And and then uh, 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 the third thing, Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11 and verse number 24. Acts chapter 11 and verse number 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. Talking about uh, Barnabas. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost, the end of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. If we're going to be effective, we've got to be unified, we've got to preach and proclaim the word of God. But then, number three, we've got to be godly. We've got to be godly. There's got to be something different about the church. If the church looks like the world, then how in the world is the church going to ever help the world? If we're the same, if we look the same, Wednesday nights, I hope, I hope you can, if you're, if you're free, I know many people got to work, and, and, uh, but if you're free, I hope you'll come Wednesday night. We're talking about the Baptist distinctives, and uh, we're using the word Baptist, and we're all the way up to the letter S, and the letter S stands for separation. So we're going to be talking more in depth on Wednesday night uh, on this subject, but God has called us to be godly. Listen. Uh, in Titus chapter number 2, Titus chapter number 2, and verse number 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, watch this, in this present world. Now, did you get what he said? He said, in order for you to be godly in this present world, you have to shun or say no to ungodliness. The things that you know are wrong, you got to say no to. you got to say no to. It's not automatic. The devil's going to throw everything he can at you. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to deceive you. He's going to, tr- he's going to throw every trap that he can at you. So, I've been preaching this whole time to find where I can put this illustration, and I just found it. Yep. Kyle just looked at me, and so didn't Devin. There you go. You're right. I got it, Andrew. So, they decided, the boys decided they wanted the old man to go with them. To play putt-putt. Now, this old boy don't play golf. But I can kill it at some putt-putt. So we went to Hilton Head and did some putt-putt. 
we got there, and they're all bragging, you know, they are all, they all play golf, they go over to Lost Plantation, you know, they're all, they're all golfers. That's okay, I just keep quiet, I've learned to keep quiet in my time. So, we go and play, and this is Kyle's continued birthday, good night, he's had a birthday for like, starting last month, and so, uh, so we go, and we go to, although he, I guess this wasn't his birthday. He paid for this one. But anyways, we go, and, and, and there's got an easy course and a hard course. So we said, you know, these are young, these are young people. So they're, let's do both. I said, all right, let's do both. So we go, and we do both. We start with the easy. Well, I'm here to tell you. You ever, you ever go putt-putting? They throw all these obstacles at you. I mean, now the easy one was almost all flat, and they had a little curves. And all, but the hard one, man, they were. I mean, you had to go up. There was one shot that you had to go jump your ball through a, through a waterfall, didn't you? And there was a gap where you had to jump over and go through the water and underneath. It was the last hole of the thing. And I'm thinking, man, right in the water. And Kyle had his expensive balls that were used, and so Kyle almost jumped into the water hole to get the ball, but knocked it right over. But, but, but I was, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting it, I mean, and I'm nailing Easy course, this old boy beat all, all three of them. Number one right here. Beat them all. So the hard course, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to get annihilated. I, I, I'm just not good at this stuff. And so there's a couple courses. I mean, the, the first course, okay, you go first. So that's what they like to do so that they can see what not to do. And so it was up this hill, and then it flattened out, and the hole was up on the top of the flat. Well, up the hill, there was all this, you know, going up the hill. I said, no. The key is not, don't hit it too hard, because you'll hit it, it'll hit, and come back down. Up the hill, it came back down. Up the hill, and it came back down. And they're cackling. They think this is the funniest thing that they've ever seen. Oh! And so the last time I hit it, knocked it up there. I mean, I hit it hard this, that last time, it had, and it hopped up on the, on the side, up on a brick, up off the thing. Oh, hit it where it lies! Hit it where it lies! Go to hit it where it lies! So I said, whatever, y'all go on. And they all started hitting. And, and so I got, <laughs> this is awesome. So I get over there on the side, and I'm up on the brick. And there's a hole down there. I'm acting, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I just, all I do is hit the ball, and luckily it goes in the hole. And so I hit it. It falls off the thing, rolls down, goes in the hole, and they all... And Kyle's, so we get to the end of the game, and Kyle says, Dad... Or he says to the guys, he said, who, who won? I said, I won the easy and I won the difficult. Kyle said, guys, don't come to church tomorrow. <laughs> so just to show you that I'm the better person, I'm not even going to mention it this morning <laughs> at all. But there are obstacles, right? There are obstacles everywhere. And these obstacles come in the way, and the devil will do everything he can to put this obstacle in your way and this obstacle in your way. And sometimes you, you got to say no to something. Sometimes you got to say yes to something. Because if you're going to be godly, it's because you, on purpose, choose to be godly. Nobody, listen, nobody goes to bed an ungodly person and wakes up the next day and go, Woohoo! I'm godly this morning. What does it mean to be godly? It means to be, it means to be 
Christ-like. And that's a decision. A decision you have to make it. And you have to make it every day. It's an interesting thing. Do you know you can, make, you can decide that you're going to be Christ-like and you're Christ-like and you win a victory over the devil and you win a victory over the world and then boom, you trip. And boom, you fall. Why? Because all the devil wants you to do is just move your eyes just a little bit. Move your life just a little bit. They told us in college, I thought it was such a great statement. They said, you give the, and you've heard it, you've heard it through the years, uh, give the devil an inch and he'll be your ruler. Think about that. Just give him an inch. You know what they told us when I was in Bible college? They said, when you go visiting, all you need to do, be, you, don't, you don't necessarily need to win somebody to Christ at the door. You don't necessarily need to, All you need to do is get a foot in the door. Just make it so they don't shut the door on you. And then maybe you can get in. Then maybe you can sit down with them uh, on the couch. Maybe then you can open up the Bible and read the Word of God to them. Then maybe you can win them Christ. But get your foot in the door. You know what the devil's trying to do? He's trying to get a foot in your door. In your life. In your family. Have you noticed that he'll do anything he can and he'll use whoever he can? Isn't that an amazing thing? It's not always a stranger. Sometimes it's a friend or what you thought was a friend. Sometimes it's a family member. Do you know how many people, do you know how many people after I got saved, after I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, do you know how many people tried to discourage me? I'm talking about a lot of people. A lot of people who had really good intentions in this sense because they thought I'd joined a cult or thought I'd uh, lost my mind or thought, you know, he's, he's ruining his life. Ultimately, that's what they thought. I'm convinced that I still have people that used to be in my life that, I'm, that think I'm still on a stage. This is, just a, this is just a stage in his life. Well, I'm here to tell you, it's been a long stage in my life. Ups and downs, ins and outs, arounds, around corners, and in, in potholes. And you ever, drive, you ever drive on a nice, smooth road? And it's just a nice drive. I mean, it's just a nice... And then you ever drive to South Carolina? I'm telling you, they got the worst roads in the country. I mean, and you hit a pothole, you're almost your entire car goes into the pothole. I mean, you think to yourself, what in the world? And you see people swerving. It's, they're, they're trying to avoid the pitfalls of the road in South Carolina. And that's what the devil will throw in your way. He'll do anything he can to ruin your life or make your life more difficult. We need to make the decision. We need to decide that we are going to be godly, that we are going to be holy. Think about these things with me when it comes to the believers uh, here uh, in uh, Antioch and in other places uh, that were just uh, godly men and women. I want you to think about these three things. Number one, the requirement of godliness. God requires that we be godly. He requires that we live righteously. 
and godly in this present world. It is in the imperative mood. It means it's a command, not a suggestion. It's not just a good idea. It is commanded that we live holy. 1 Peter 1 and 16, the Bible says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God said, don't compare yourselves to yourselves. Compare yourselves to me, and you'll notice that you always miss the mark. Do we miss the mark? I guarantee you, you don't have to admit it. I already know it. Because we are all imperfect. We all miss the mark from time to time. And I'm thankful today that we can have a second chance and a third chance and multiple chances. But God has commanded us to be holy. Galatians 5 and 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Stop, I mean, we are, we are the biggest blamers on planet Earth. We love to blame everybody else for our poor decisions. We love to blame everybody else for the predicament that we find ourselves in often in our, in our lives. You know, you, if, 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 you, if, you, if you bathe with the pigs, you're going to smell like the pigs just all there is to it. I mean, it's, it's the bottom line. And you can't decide that you're going to live like the world and that you're going to live uh, ungodly and that you're going to live wild and then want the blessings of God on your life. It doesn't work that way. Not according to the Word of God. The Bible says that we need to make right decisions. We need to live godly in this present world. Watch this, Galatians 5 and 25. If we live in the Spirit... Do you know how many people that I hear or see uh, or read about uh, that talk about being Christians? You understand, preacher, I'm born again believer. But watch this, Galatians 5 and 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Listen, I mean, this is a, this is a crude way to say it, but man, we grew up saying this, either put up or shut up. That's the bottom line. I mean, you always had, remember when you were in school? You always had that kid? Always running in his mouth. This would have been another good place to put this illustration. Running in their mouth. Right, 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 right. More, I'll tell you what, I can do. You can't, you couldn't jump high enough to touch the rim. What are you talking about, Duncan? I mean, we had those guys that just rack, 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 rack. And you know what? You finally say, you finally stop arguing with them and say, show me. Show me. You say you can do such and such, show me. You say that you know such and such, show me. You say that you can play putt-putt, show me. We're talking about the rest of October you're going to be hearing about this. And by the way, I kept, I kept they tried to get the card, but I got the card. With all their names on it, I, 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 I did. I did good, okay. But you don't put up. It's time. Listen, as Christians, if you say that you are a Christian, then show that you are a Christian. Prove it. Walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. It's time to, you know, you've, you've heard this statement. You've heard me make this uh, uh, statement before uh, uh, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to um, uh, living for the Lord. But your, but your talk talks and your walk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. 
Now, think about that for a minute. It'll make sense. See, we need to preach the word. I love this. Years ago, a preacher said this, and I've remembered it ever since. There's got to be something good for me to remember it. I, I always enjoy it. Preach the word and, and use words when necessary. I love that statement. Why? Because we ought to be able to say that we are godly and that we are Christians and that we are part of the church and that we are righteous by just the way we live our lives. The requirements of godliness. We are required by God to be godly. Not only the requirements of godliness, but the rendering of godliness. The rendering of godliness. Godliness is just as an attitude. It's an action. It's kind of like love. It's not just an attitude. It's an action. Stop telling me that you're in love with somebody and you treat them like garbage. I'm going to call you a liar. You don't love that person. Now, I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking, listen, people, this is sad. This is a sad statement, folks, but it's so true. People use people. Isn't that a sad thing? People use people to better themselves, to, to get their, make their predicament better. They'll, listen, some people, if they'll get them out of trouble, they'll stab you in the back in a heartbeat. And then talk about how much they love you. Listen to me, I don't need that kind of love in my life. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. I don't need that kind of friendship. If you have friends like that, why would you need enemies? Right? So love is an action, but godliness is an action as well. It's not just an attitude that we have. It's not just a thought process. It's something that we put to our hands and to our feet. Barnabas, Acts chapter 11 and verse 24. He was a godly man. Look at the rendering of Barnabas. I want to give you these four, uh, these three things. Let me give them to you real quick, and then we'll read the verse. Number one, he was a forgiven man. Number two, he was a filled man. And number three, he was a faith man. He was a forgiven man. He was a filled man. And he was a faith man. Acts chapter 11, verse 24 again. And he was a good man. And he was full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. He was a man that made a difference. He was a man that when he came into the room, you knew he was there. You knew that he'd been with Jesus. You ever met the guy? Some of them were in your family. They hardly ever said anything. Joe Hazen, daddy, I used to go and visit them all the time when they were alive and and then when he passed and went and saw uh, Joan and her, and her mama. And, and, um, but, but man, when I go over to the house, J- Joe and her mama, 140 miles an hour, 140 miles an hour. When, when Joe's daddy went to talk, silence in the room. He didn't say much, but when he said something, People listened. People paid attention to what he was saying. He didn't raise his voice. I mean, if you knew, if you knew Joe and her mama, man, they'd go at it. I mean, they'd go at each other, constantly arguing about something. And he'd just, and they'd stop, they'd stop arguing. I'm thinking to myself, he was a, listen, he was a man of influence in his family. 
We need to be, I, I joke with Brother Dwayne about it. Brother Dwayne told me uh, one time, I said, sometimes, man, sometimes it gets raucous in your, in your class when you're gone. And uh, I said, just, you know, we joke around about it. Sometimes it gets raucous on Wednesday. He said, all you got to do, is, Ms. Sherry, he says, all you got to do, raise your hand. I said, oh, get out of here. I mean, come on, Dwayne. I mean, let's take it a little bit too far, right? He does that in his class. And everybody goes silent. I'm like, I mean, what is he, a king? I mean, come on. He just raises it. I tried it Wednesday night, and everybody just ignored me. You know, just, oh, you know. I got to scream or get Joe to whistle. And she was here, you know, she used to whistle really loud or scream. But listen, the presence, having that presence, we ought to have a presence of godliness. When we're around people, you ever, this ever happened to you? If you're working in a secular place, and somebody goes to say something, and it's, not appropriate. I've I've been listen. I've been in I've been in workplaces when I was in college, where a couple guys would be talking. And I'm, t- I'm talking about unsaved, unchurched. You know, the whole nine yards, living in the world, and they'd be talking. And this one guy would say something. He would say something that was that was um, not appropriate. And the ungodly guy would say, "Oh, wait a minute! I wasn't even a preacher. Preacher's right here. Don't." You don't, we don't, you don't talk like that in front of him. What's wrong with you? I mean, scold the guy. And I just got a smile about it, you know, just, just laughing about it. Listen, dude, I've heard worse than that. I was in the Navy. Give me a break. But, um, but you know, people know. You ever walk, in, you ever walk into a, now that's what I'm talking about when it, comes to, when it comes to making decisions. You ever walk into the break room, if you have a break room at work, and somebody's telling a, a joke that's not, not very seemly? And you have to turn around and walk away. You don't necessarily have to say something, though sometimes it's appropriate to. But sometimes you just turn around and walk away. Let me tell you something. People are watching. They're paying attention. They're noticing. Hey, if you look like them, and you walk like them, and you talk like them, they think you're one of them. Is that right? Of course it's right. If I'm telling you, if you're standing on the railroad tracks, and you... And you hear this great big noise, and the tracks begin to shake, and you hear this great big whistle. There's a train coming. You don't have to see it. You know it's coming. Why? Because of all the evidences of the train. And by the way, let's be better safe than sorry and get off the tracks. Why? Because we render who we are every single day. Every single day, you're telling people who you are without ever opening your mouth. You're telling them at your workplace. You're telling them in your neighborhood. You're telling them in your family. You're, de- you're telling them who you are every single day. And every single day, we need to be rendering uh, forgiveness uh, and being filled with the Spirit and being men and women of faith. Uh, be the example God has called you to be by rendering godliness in and through your life. Be that example. Be the example of forgiveness. Do you know why we forgive? Because we've been forgiven. We forgive because, well, because we're commanded to forgive, but we forgive because we've been forgiven. And sometimes we don't forgive because I think we forget that we have been forgiven. You see, we have been forgiven much, and yet we don't want to forgive a little. We've been forgiven all our sins. 
We've been forgiven so that we can have a home in heaven. Have your sins been forgiven? Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? He died for you on the cross. That's why he died on the cross, to pay for your sin debt. That was your sin debt. That was my sin debt. He died upon the cross so that we was buried and rose again the third day so that we can have life and so that we can have our sins forgiven, that we can be forgiven men and women. Don't forget that. Don't forget that when it comes to forgiving others. And then he was filled. Are you filled? Ephesians 5, verse 18, be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Literally, the literal rendering of that verse is, be ye being filled. That's not a one-time action. Listen, baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time action. When you got saved, you got baptized by the Spirit. So the Spirit of God lives inside of you. You have the Spirit of God. Being filled with the Spirit means being surrendered to the Spirit of God in your life. You see, you got all the Spirit. Does the Spirit have all of you? That's the question. Because the Spirit has all of you, you're going to walk right. The Spirit has all of you, you're going to talk right. There's going to be a difference in your life. You're going to make a difference because of not you, but because of the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. He was filled with the Spirit, then he was a man of faith. My goodness, what we need in our world today is men and women of faith. You know what faith is? Faith is just believing God. Believing God can. You know, we're talking about prayer tonight. You know, you know what strengthens prayer? Faith. Faith. Believing that God can. Can will go through an eye of a needle. No. But God can. God can do it. Virgin can conceive. No. No. In case you didn't know, no. No, that doesn't happen and it can't happen. So, but God can. Right? You see, prayer and faith, they strengthen one another. Because when God, when you pray and God answers your prayer, guess what happens? Man, you believe stronger. I mean, you have faith, you have more faith, uh, uh, because uh, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, rendering of godliness, the requirements of godliness, and the results of godliness. What happens when God's people are godly? When, God people, when God's people are godly. Number one, a result of God in this people were bathed into the family of God. They were bathed into the family of God. Acts chapter 11, verses 21 and 24. People were saved. I mean, when we walk right, when we talk right, when we share the gospel, when we are the lighthouse, when we are unified, when we are godly, when we live the way we're supposed to live, other people notice it and they're drawn to it. Let me tell you what's happening in the churches today. The churches are becoming more like the world. And they're, they, are, they are ungodly. There are some churches, man, I'm telling you something. There are some churches, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm glad they took Baptists out of their name. They ain't, because they ain't living, they ain't, they, ain't, they, ain't, they ain't acting right. They ain't living right. To have, now listen to me. Grasp a hold of the world we're living in today. To have a transgender come to your church and dance on your stage on a pole in a church because you want your church to be woke. Come here, let me smack you in the face. That'll wake you up. Because that would be way better than that garbage. Garbage. 
and people in the congregation clapping. Oh, that's what. That's so wonderful. Got their kids up there watching. I mean, the whole nine yards. In the church. It's bad enough it's in the world, but now the world has snuck itself into the church. And boy, when people need help now, they rarely go to the church anymore. Used to be. Listen, nobody, I didn't grow up in church. Nobody told me to respect church. But when I was a kid... I'm telling you, I was a punk with a capital P, capital P. I mean, I was in trouble all the time. We would borrow people's cars. I think that's called stealing. But anyways, we'd borrow people, and we'd go, and we'd peel donuts out in parking lots. I mean, we'd, we'd wreck the car. I mean, we'd steal motorcycles. We'd, we'd do all these things. But let me tell you something. We'd drive right by a church. You could, you could have never talked me into going to a parking lot of a church. We break into buildings, not a church. Let me tell you something. When I was 10, 10, 10 years old, I'd, I got in trouble at school. So that evening, I went and spray painted the back of the school. I mean, I spray painted some bad stuff on the back of the school. I mean, total the, total the whole back of the school. You talk about getting in trouble? Oh my goodness, I don't know how. I don't know, I don't know how I'm here. Honestly, I don't. But let me tell you something. I would have never went to a church. There was this respect for holy things. There was this respect. And by the way, it didn't matter if it was Methodist or Presbyterian or Episcopal. If it, listen, you didn't want your house to be touched by me, just make it look like a church. I wasn't going anywhere. It's like the person that has in their yard. Beware of dog. I'm not coming in your yard. I don't even care if you have a dog. I don't care if your dog's a chihuahua. If it says beware of dog, I'm not coming near it. I don't, I'm going to say I don't like dogs, but man, I've been bit and I, I'm not a fan, okay? Especially those big dogs. And so just put the sign up. Listen, all you had to put up a sign was say church and we stayed away from it. Why? Because there was a natural respect for God's things. Today, those things are gone. Listen to me, the world's not changed. Do you hear me? The world's still sinful. The world's still ungodly. The world still does the same things the world's done now. They've progressed to, uh, in, a, in, a, in a negative way. I understand that. It's not the world's fault. It's the church's fault. It's the churches that have stopped standing. It's the churches that stopped saying no. It's the churches that stopped standing up and saying, whoa, wait a minute, why in the world... What in the world are we doing? No, not with my children. No, not with my community. No, not with my church. We stopped doing it. We've become inclusive. We've become woke. We've become whatever you want to call it in so many of our churches today. And I don't say that we as an us. I'm just saying we as a, as a church have become all these things. And we've become ineffective because of it. But you know... When it comes to all these things and being godly, and really the bottom line is, and it's found in the book of John, you know how all men are going to know that we're God's disciples? By our love one for another. Right? And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about this world's love. I'm talking about this godly love. And it all starts with how we live. It all starts with how we talk and how we walk. Let's make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed, eyes are closed.
Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's never been a time in your life where by faith you receive Jesus Christ into your heart and your life for the forgiveness of your sins. Can I tell you this morning that God loves you? He loves you supremely. He loves you sacrificially. He died upon the cross so that you could have forgiveness of sin. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God. And I'm concerned about that.